0: Welcome to season six of the life giver podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician and advocate. And I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the LifeGiver podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I wanted to join you guys just by myself um, for this episode and address one of our next big questions as we're doing this series, this Afghanistan series. um, I really wanted to address those of you who might be um, deploying to Afghanistan that are addressing in real time what's going on in Afghanistan, whether you are a spouse sending your service member or whether you're a service member that's been deployed out there Um, and i think that those of you who are listening that maybe aren't deployed um, i think this can also still be a healthy conversation for how do we um, address trauma in our relationships how do we address talking about that kind of trauma and addressing um, how do we connect when we are asked to do really tough things and and what's going on with afghanistan is is an amazing example of um, when we are called to do very difficult things, whether it's um, a mission with the military or even our first responders who are asked to respond and be on the front lines on any given day, on any given situation. And so um, I was asked recently to address like how, how do we... Um, handle what's going on in Afghanistan um, and process that. And so if we're going to do this series, this Afghanistan special edition series on answering the toughest questions, I think the question that this episode, if you will, needs to address it is, how do I, um, how do I go out and do this mission that's asking me to expose myself to human suffering in real time, watching um, babies be trampled, women be trampled, watching um, families hand over their children. Like there's all kinds of stories that are are coming out that we talked about in the last episode where um, I interviewed my dad, where he talked about what it was like to be in the Air Force and evacuate Vietnamese um, citizens out of Saigon and talking about um what it feels like to feel like I wish I could have taken more right like why do we have to wait for people to be processed in order to evacuate them and so there's all this kind of um survivor's guilt and there is real trauma happening in real time and so I wanted to kind of take some time in this episode to address that question like what do I do how do I process this that I'm seeing Really, the worst of humanity, and not just the worst of humanity from an evil perspective. Like, this is not addressing terrorists. You know, we might be used to going out on the front lines and addressing um, terrorists and people actually doing the evil things, but here we are having to expose ourselves and address human suffering um, when they're innocent bystanders or when it's collateral damage, not only collateral damage physically, but collateral damage to their hearts and souls. And who, how do I handle? That um, and try to come home as a whole person, and I think that's a very valid question that we have to talk about. So, um, so if you are just now tuning into this this series, the special edition series that I'm doing right now, um, very quickly, I'm also going to have on my, on the Life Giver website. It's life-giver.org. Um, there is going to be a place to house all of the episodes from the series, all of the content from the series in one place. So you'll be able to have, and by the time this goes out, that should be available to you where you can listen to Krista's episode on from a gold star perspective. Um, if anybody can give us, um, the answer to the question, is this worth it? I think a gold star who has lost her husband in this war on terror in Afghanistan, and then went on to remarry and to find joy in her life, but also how it's reopening grief for her. You know, hopefully that, that conversation is not meant to invite um, pain into your life is, I think if you have listened to that episode, you have heard she's actually giving you permission to not only grieve this experience in a new way, but also if she can find worth in this whole thing, I know you can too. And it will give you kind of what you need in order to process the pain of loss. If you've known, um, service members that you've lost in Afghanistan. I know our family has, and it's a very difficult question to ask ourselves. How do I process the fact that I lost somebody that I deeply cared about to a war that um, feels, at least it feels like, all of our effort is kind of being erased as the um, Taliban is taking back over that country. And so please go back and listen to that episode. And then as I mentioned before, interviewing my dad with answering that question of, is this our next Vietnam? And how do do we learn from mentors and our elders who are able to speak that wisdom with, with decades forward? What would they now say to us, right? And I think that's important because it brings meaning to their own experience, meaning to their own pain, if you will, or their own um, experiences of Vietnam to be able to pass that meaning and pass that wisdom to us to be able to say, here's what I wish that I knew. Here's what it felt like back then. So I'm normalizing your feelings and all of this, but here's what's to come. You know, he, you, hearing my dad say, you know, at the end of the day, go home and love your family and do well with what's right in front of you, that you may not be able to end all of the nation's wars. You may not be able to bring closure to all the things that you want to bring closure to but really being able to hear that wisdom and permission for you to do the best that you have with what's right in front of you is incredible wisdom. I hope you'll go back and listen to that episode as well. And so today I wanted to tackle, um, if you are in the middle of it, if you're in the thick of it. And so I think this definitely addresses those who are experiencing trauma, first responders that are experiencing trauma. How do I connect with my spouse and keep my marriage strong and, um, and process real time trauma. So we're going to talk about that also coming up. Before I dive into that, um, I have an interview that I'm doing tomorrow. Um, so it will come out this week where I'm, I'm actually interviewing a good friend. Her name is Bina Patel. She's been on the podcast in you know several seasons back, but she actually addressed the topic of bullying back then But she is an expert on understanding um, what a lot of the Islamic women, the Afghani women, the Muslim women, women, what they go through, the pressures that they live in um, and what their world is like. She's done a lot of research on that. And I really am inviting her in, not for a political reason to tell us what we should or shouldn't think. I want her to really educate us so that we can answer that question of. You know how do I feel about us withdrawing from Afghanistan and leaving the women and the children behind and the families behind and what about them and what's next for them and being able to answer some of those tough questions. So Bina is gonna be um, coming up behind this episode to address that question. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that and be on the lookout for that. I hope to put that out this week. Um, So I'm pushing really hard to try to get about like two episodes during the series out per week for you to be able to process all of that. And again, it will all be on that one um, website that one web landing page where you can access the whole series um, the Afghanistan series so let's jump in let's dive into this big question Um, for those of you who are actively responding and being deployed out to Afghanistan to respond to this crisis to deal with the evacuation to deal with um, the family members who are really struggling with something very challenging right now Um, let's talk about what that's like for you and we really, we are talking about not only being on the front lines, um, where we're not necessarily dealing with, um, the, the bad guy, if you will, right. We're not dealing necessarily with Taliban, although I'm sure we have those out there boots on the ground that are, um, this is more about responding to a humanitarian crisis and what that can do to your heart and your soul. And you have every reason to be concerned, um, whether it's concern for your spouse or concern for yourself on the kind of soul injury that can come from that of seeing, um, a humanitarian crisis. And so it reminds me, um, There's an amazing couple that's here in Texas that I've had the honor to work with. I'm not going to give names, you know, but after going through, even in Texas, when we had the Texas ice storms, um, Dallas especially went through a horrific um, week or two in dealing with the ice and the snow when um, Texans lost power. Um, And so a lot of our first responders were on the front line responding to like a hundred car pileup that was happening on the highway. Um, That was devastating. It was shocking and I and I feel like I was even secondarily traumatized by seeing those videos of real time um you know a 100 car pileup with semis plowing through cars on the highway it was devastating to even just watch and feel helpless of can't do anything. And I'm watching people be hurt or even killed, um, which is, is terrible about that in our society, that we have access to that kind of information where we can all be traumatized. And I know that that's what we are experiencing, watching what's happening in Afghanistan, the news every day or all day or every night. And so, in working and um, talking with that first responder, I remember him sharing about what that's like for him to be National Guard and being deployed to deployment locations, but also dealing with um, the Texas ice storms and 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 ha- being exposed to families who were. Um, struck by not only poverty, but then to lose heat and power and children who were dying in that, um, in that cold and in the wet cold that they were going through as well. And what that can do to a person who is exposed to that, Matt has shared many times, um, that he remembers, um, talking with his dad, who was a retired police officer saying things like, I'm just so tired of seeing, um, dead babies and dealing with that and so there's only so much that our mind and our psyche and our soul was meant to carry we weren't created to um initially we weren't created to be exposed to or having to see um some of the things that we are seeing today and some of us are exposing ourselves I would say unnecessarily to some of that when we're turning the news on and we're inviting that into our world when we have first responders and we have military that are called to do that hopefully trained to do that as best as you can train somebody to do that um to expose that be exposed to that themselves so that we don't have to and yet we are still turning on the tv and allowing our hearts to be exposed and so i I want to maybe speak to family members speak to spouses out there that if you are exposing yourself unnecessarily to that, to be mindful that it doesn't make you a cold human being, it doesn't mean you don't have compassion, it doesn't mean that you're not educating yourself to turn off that um, information and, um, and decide to not, allow yourself to hear all the details and be exposed to all the details of that. It doesn't make you less human. It doesn't mean that you care, that you don't care. Um, In fact, it means that you can separate yourself and let first responders handle that um, so that you can be the best person that you can be for your children, for your family, for your work environment, so that you are functioning. And I know that in the last week, we really were reaching a place where we were not functioning um, when we really really needed to say no to some things so that we can function for those that we are actually responsible for. And So let's take a moment and let's talk about if you are deployed right now and if you are um in Afghanistan, or going to Afghanistan, or maybe you've just come home, even, um, and you're you're dealing with this in real time. I just I just want to first say thank you, and just say um, I I also cannot imagine what you are seeing every day and how difficult that must be, and I'm I'm thankful that the calling that you have in your life is one of courage, is one is uh, is one that is also what my dad talked about in the last episode that when you are trained to do something well, that there is an eagerness, there is an excitement of being able to go and do those things that you are are trained to do and you know, you can do them well. And so the opportunity to do it and do it well is something that um, in a strange way can be exciting. Um, But even if it's not exciting, I just want to be able to say that you have been trained to do this. Um, No, nobody trains you to deal with the humanitarian suffering that you might be exposed to, but the actual logistics of what you've been called to do. I know that you have confidence to be able to do those things. And so, um listen, there is no way, there is no way that I can tell you that there's a way to get through this, that you won't be affected. Um, you would be a sociopath. And I know that there's a lot of, um, debate out there on whether or not, um, there are some of our troops that could be sociopaths. And I just want to clear that up as well, that like less than 1% of the population, um, is sociopaths. And even though our military makes up 1% of the population, that doesn't mean we all are it. Right. And so I, I just want to just affirm and let you know that there is no way, I don't think there's any way to get through something like this unscathed. And um, I know it'd be better if I if I said that there's a way to numb out and not be affected by it. Um, I think that it's subconsciously our brain finds ways to protect our minds in the moment where we feel like we're numbing out, that we're not affected by it or that it's not affecting us too much. And it will have a way of kind of creeping up later where we're re- revisited by the things that we saw at a safe time when our brain is able to actually process it. And that's the mind's way of protecting you. So if you are out there And you are facing things or if you're a spouse talking to your service member and it sounds like they're apathetic or kind of numb to all of it, that there is a a part of our brains that protect ourselves and we do kind of become apathetic or we numb out in order to get through those moments um, and not crumble so we can actually do the job that we're being called to do or being tasked to do. And so that doesn't make you inhuman. It doesn't make you, um, cold. It doesn't make you a robot. It doesn't make you, um, less than human or without a heart or without compassion. And so I just want to ask you to be patient with yourself. Um, and that I, I, I believe, at least I have to believe that if you, um, that when you are exposed to these kinds of things that the fact that you feel any level of discomfort and sadness and grief and when you feel disturbed by what you're seeing um, that that is the human in you and that is the great part of you that's the part of you that you don't want to lose it's the part of you that your spouse doesn't want you to lose it's it's the part that makes you able to come home and be a husband and a father and a wife and a daughter um, all of that part of you is so important and and I think almost almost everybody during especially a difficult deployment is going to find ways to kind of tuck that away or compartmentalize a part of yourself so that you don't um, over over, um, I guess, make yourself so vulnerable that that part of you is damaged. but I think that there um, is no way to go through a humanitarian crisis and not have a, p- a part of your soul that is disturbed or damaged or hurt by what you're seeing. And so it's okay if you have those emotions of anger. It's okay if you have the emotions of sadness. It's okay if you have compassion. It's okay that there's a part of you that wants to save everybody, to break the rules, to do whatever you can, to get as many people as you can on the plane. And there are service members that are doing that, right? And so um, we're not asking you to To break those rules or go against the regulations. I think I'm just trying to validate and normalize that part of you that wants to do those things and the pain that comes up in you when you can't. Um, It's the same pain that we hear from service members who have had to make really tough moral decisions in the moment and have even had to take the life of a child or a woman um, who posed a threat and they had to make a very difficult choice Um, that was really hard. And so, of course, we're going to. Have to come home and deal with some of those things, um, but I just want to normalize that it's okay if it's not all coming up now, and it's okay if it is starting to leak out in the quieter moments when you are um, going through that deployment. Um, I would encourage you to seek out your chaplain. I would encourage you to seek out the behavioral health that you have around you. Um, it doesn't make you vulnerable or weak to seek out that help and process and do the crisis debriefing that's made available to you. Um, if there are chaplains that are watching this, if there is um, help that you need to help with that crisis debriefing, debriefing to reach out. And now is the time to be as creative as you can within the limits that you have to Provide that debriefing and the crisis debriefing that you need. Reaching out to your own mentors, reaching out to your own supervisors and requesting that and creating space for that. There's a lot of creative ways to be able to offer that. And so within the limits and the regulations that you have in the space that you have. So reach out to the resources that you have available to you. Um, when it comes to marriage, I think every marriage is different. You know, when Matt went for his um, first deployment, you know, as the chaplain who is kind of doing Doing all that debriefing he made arrangements so that he could call home and i could be the person that debriefed him but that's also because he knew that i had the training to provide that debriefing even though he's also my husband but not every couple can do that and that's not within the comfort zone or comfort level that everybody um, that everybody that exists with every relationship and so i think you have to decide as a couple what you can handle and what you talk about versus what you take to a professional. So, um, and whether that's kind of both sides, right? So talk together as a couple, like, is it helpful for you as a service member to call home and debrief with your spouse? Um, and as a spouse, what do you feel like you can actually handle um, when your spouse is telling you these things? Because it is okay and very important for you to set your own boundaries to say, I think that's all that I can hear. I think, you know, if you have a lot left over, you may have to go talk to a friend. You may need to go talk with a chaplain Um, because this is vicariously starting to build up within me and I don't know where to put that. And so um, it's important for you as a spouse to know what you can handle and what you can't. And if your spouse is your service member, if they are calling home and sharing and debriefing with you and you're okay with that. Um, I have had a very good friend in college. I remember sitting in the cafeteria in college and I don't know what we were talking about at the time, but I remember he said something and it's always stuck with me where he said, you know, we talk about venting, you know, with each other venting with friends and um, even venting with a professional. Um, But there is some truth to that when we vent something um, to somebody that we are unburdening ourselves, but that burden has to land on someone else that then that person we vent to has to then carry it. i don't i don't believe that that's true 100 of the time and in every circumstance as a professional when someone is unburdening themselves to me because i'm not living that life in relationship with that person I'm, i'm not also expecting them to be my spouse and be my parenting teammate and all of that um there is a level of me being able to hear all of that and then put that burden down because it's not meant for me to carry it However, when it's in your marriage and you are not only hearing the burdens of your spouse, but then you're also worrying about them, you're also hearing them being tired. I remember hearing Matt say that he felt like he was walking hand in hand with death at one of his worst moments where I was genuinely worried about him. And because I was so worried about him, I was having a hard time hearing all of the things that he was going through because I was beginning to feel so helpless to not only be that person that he released those burdens on, but also how do I support you when I'm also needing to say you need to sleep and you need to eat and I'm worrying about your ability to function and your ability to take care of yourself. And now how, how am I going to, you know, even share the stress that I'm feeling on this side, worrying about you, right? That's when it starts to get really messy. And when, um, when we as spouses back at home don't need to, Put the pressure on ourselves to feel like we need to carry it all for our spouse and be a superhero, because you are also going through an immense amount of anxiety, knowing what they're walking into and what they're facing every day. Um, And it's really hard in those kind of deployments to even share what you might be going through at home when they're already being burdened by what they're seeing in a humanitarian crisis, right? And so it's important for you at home to be able to have outlets, whether it's professional, or whether it's a friend or it's another spouse who's got a service member who's also deployed over there where you can um, kind of lean on each other for that support. Um, When I went overseas actually was when I went to Afghanistan and I was talking with the 10th Mountain Division that was over there at the time. And I remember the the service member that was talking with me and sharing with me what he wanted um, family members to know. I remember him telling me, and this is in my book, Sacred Spaces, where we talked about What does it mean to unburden ourselves or share the difficulties of deployment back and forth with each other in a marriage? And I remember him sharing with me that his first wife, they were divorced. She actually, I hate to say it, well, let me say this first. Um, his first wife, um, he would try to call home and share all the, all the difficulty and the things he was going through. And she was also sharing all the negativity and the difficulty of what she was going through. And he said, the biggest regret that he had was that they, they shouldn't have been 100% of all that for each other. Like there should have been something in reserve that he only shared with his battle buddy and that she also needed a battle buddy at home. and and that he, um, looking back, she should have been able to take a majority of that to somebody who understood at home and just the very little bit of if she could have come to those conversations and said, I'm having a very difficult time um, today or I had a really bad day today, but I went and I talked to a friend and I know the support that I have and I know what I'm gonna do to take care of myself. And so I wanna let you know that I had a bad day, but that I also am leaning on the resources and support that I have. He said, what a difference that would have made in their marriage had they leaned on the resources that they had and not brought all of that 100% to each other only, right? Um, his spouse really was struggling with a lot of things, including some mental illness. And she ended up taking her life actually. And I don't think that that was necessarily directly correlated with that deployment, but he, what he was trying to tell me was that, um, he was remarried and that during this current deployment at the time, um, that they were doing it the right way, that he learned from that. And now in his current relationship, Um, they were able to lean on those resources and it made all the difference. And so as tragic as that story is, I think it's important for us to be able to learn from that. And so while it is very helpful and important, and it helps with your connection in your marriage to share what you're actively going through, we need to be careful to not feel like we need to be 100% the main resource for our spouse, because there is that element of we both have something that we're going through. We also um, can't, understand fully what what each other is going through. And so there is great value in being able to go to somebody who is there, who is experiencing it, who can be that battle buddy and be that person um, that you can lean on partially, right, and get that support from. And that can um, be good for the whole marriage. And so knowing when to say, yes, I can handle it all tonight versus Hey, it's been a really rough day. How are you doing? Are you reaching out to friends? Are you getting the support that you need? Are you going to see your chaplain? How are, are you journaling? Um, when Matt and I did the USO series, um, where we talked about, um, how to process, um, and stay connected during our recent deployment. One of the things that we tried is that we shared the day one app as a journaling app. And he was, you know, while I was sleeping, he was journaling to me and I'd wake up to a new journal from him on how his day had been. And, um, and then while he was sleeping, I would do the same thing. And what the journaling did is that it wasn't necessarily just a dumping of, of all the bad stuff and, a venting session. In fact, there's some great value in having a separate journal where you kind of dump all the negativity, that first draft of all the most um, difficult emotions into that first draft, and then write to your spouse of here's what's going on, but here is what I'm learning from it, or here's where I'm going to go with that, um, is very valuable and helpful. And so that journaling back and forth helped us really stay connected. But even more so, it helped us process what we were going through each day. And also empowered us to kind of not necessarily have a solution, but it gave us the ability to kind of think through now, what will I do with that? So that I'm not just dumping everything and expecting you to be my 100% hope, you know, encouragement, support, direction, um, or there's lots of room for misunderstandings, right? Like I'm going to dump all of this and I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to absorb it all. That's a lot to ask, especially when we're in the midst of crisis that we have have no control of, right? So, um, I just want to give you guys permission to definitely, um, know that it's okay to be impacted by what you're being asked to do. Um, that it's understandable that you would feel helpless, that it's, um, it's understandable that you would have that kind of survivor's guilt of, of why am I going to get to go home to my family, but I'm leaving these other families who are dispersed that are suffering that are, um, that are having to make some very difficult choices, just trying to be rescued. And can I also say, part of this is also processing anger right? The anger that, um, let's just call it out for what it is, right? Like there, there's definite anger of, of why it had to unfold the way that it did. And whether we want to call that, um, anger towards the government, towards the president, towards the military, for the way that we drew down, um, for leadership. That's what I'm seeing from a lot of you. Is There's a lot of anger towards leadership and that leadership can mean a lot of different, different things. But when you are faced with a humanitarian crisis like that, that you are actively the face of, right? And you You are in the midst of it going, this all could have been avoided if fill in the blank, right? There's understandable anger there that, um, that I, I definitely don't want to squash because I think there's truth in it, right? Like that's the hard truth of, um, the truth is, this wouldn't be like this if we would have made other choices, and that's true. That is true, and that is valid. And and to say I shouldn't be angry about it because I just need to be non political or just you know focus on the mission or whatever, it's understandable for you to have feelings about, about the way that this unfolded. I think that my encouragement to you both sides, to the, both the family member, to the spouse, but also to the service member, my encouragement to you is in your anger, do not sin. Okay. Now that's a faith-based phrase, but in your anger, don't cause destruction, right? We all need to, even when we are at our lowest, even we are at our most tired, there's always the opportunity to filter what, um, what those feelings and how they manifest within us how that comes out. Right. And so it's okay for you to be angry about all of this. It's okay for you to be angry as a spouse that your service member had to leave and go clean up this mess, right. Or to respond to it or to be, it's okay for you to be angry that they are having to be exposed to something that if they just would have done fill in the blank, if leadership would have done such and such that, you know, our family wouldn't be going through this. And my spouse wouldn't be affected by it. All of those feelings are normal, right? but we still have to adult, we still have to filter. We have the choice on what we will do with that anger. We have a choice on what we will do with our compassion. We have a choice on what we will do with our sadness. Um, And so if we can do our best to not Um, Allow it to come out in destructive ways. Um, That's where we want to channel like our our energy right now, right? How do I filter that, right? So that might look like journaling, right? Um, The great thing about journaling and kind of having a first draft journal that nobody sees is you can put pen to paper all the frustration and all the things you wish you could do, right? Um, But that doesn't necessarily have to be seen by anybody. You can burn it. You can own that those are your feelings and understand that that's a understandable response for you to have. Um, we need to be careful to not unleash that anger in destructive ways towards the safest people in our life. And usually that's our spouse. Usually it's with a family member. Sometimes it's even with a battle buddy that is safe and we just unleash it towards them. You know, we're not gods. We're not superheroes. If you, if you do that, and if you unleash on someone, then take ownership for it, clean it up. Apologize if you need to apologize, and then um, strive to to figure out healthier ways to channel that energy and filter it after the fact. Right, so it's okay. Like this, you know. I remember, you know, when you know we use the acronym HALT. Right, whenever we are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired we're never going to make the best decisions. We're not going to be at our best. We're not going to be 100%. We're not going to be functioning at full capacity. So it's it's a insanely good window of opportunity that we're going to unleash our anger in inappropriate ways, that we're going to take something too far. Um, And so we need to be very careful and attentive to, if you have control over whether you are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, then take control of that, make good decisions, have good quality self-care. And I would say spouses, especially at home, you do have some level of control and even able to ask for friends for support. If you need a good night's sleep, if you need a babysitter, if you need um, dinner delivered, right, Um, to be able to make those wise decisions, to make sure that you are taking good care of yourself so that you can filter yourself and adult well right so that you are not causing destruction out of your being hungry angry lonely and tired right and I would say out of the, the two people in the marriage, the service member that's on the other side has a much better chance of being hungry, angry, lonely, or tired without their ability to control the circumstances that they're in to alleviate it, right? So we don't need both people in that scenario, right? We need to, we need to at least, you know, if both of us cannot be there, great. But if there's going to be one, it's probably going to be the service member who doesn't have control over how long their mission is, where they're sleeping, where they're getting their next meal right? So lots of grace, lots of grace towards that service member who is not going to, who's going to be taking every bit of functioning energy they have to do the best that they can at the mission that they're being asked to do. Um, and that may mean, I'm just going to put a couple of things out there. Okay. That may mean that perhaps we take a couple days to not talk to each other so that you're actually using that time to rest instead of, um, staying tired and not taking care of yourself and getting some rest between shifts if you have shifts, right? So maybe as a spouse back at home, I'm gonna say, you know what? Um, don't feel like you need to call every day and debrief and tell me what's going on. Take time to take care of you and get that downtime that you need. And then let's check in in a couple of days, right? That's an option. That's an option. So how can I extend whatever grace that I can your way to not contribute to you being hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, right? But if if loneliness is really like at the top of the list and you do need to check in with your spouse, then how do we communicate that? How do we verbalize that, right? How do we take care of each of those kind of pieces of that acronym appropriately um, given the situation that you're in? I, as a spouse, can't um, address whether or not you're hungry and where you get your next meal, right? Um, if you are angry, um, that may be because you need sleep. It may be because you are rightfully, Angry at the right things. And we can maybe have kind of a back and forth exchange of validating each other of, of why this is something to be angry at. But at the end of that conversation, how do we make, make something productive about it, right? What's um, at the end of that conversation? How can we turn it towards all right, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to get your next meal? Where are you going to get that night of sleep? or the few hours of sleep that you can, um, what are you going to do with that anger? You know, where do you feel like you have control over something? Um, loneliness. Are you talking to, um, those that understand that have boots on the ground, um, and tired? Are you getting, are you getting the sleep that you need? And how can I help you do that? Right. Does that mean that we take a break from talking? How can I, who can I best be for you so that um, we're addressing those things? Okay, does that make sense? So I think it is about self-care. I think it is about not putting too much pressure on yourself to be 100% of everything for everybody, especially your spouse. I think it's leaning on the, light, the right resources for support and help. I think it's p- being very attentive to what's coming up in you. Even if it's the truth, even if it's a valid feeling, it's being very attentive to that and not cr- um, causing destruction um, out of our frustration. Um, we want to be the best that we can be for our spouse during a very difficult time on both both sides. But definitely spouses at home, let me just speak to you for a second. This is one of those times, okay? this is one of those times where you know we do put our our service member kind of um as priority and i know you guys are exhausted and tired i know this has been a two decade war i know you have a lot of feelings about this and all of that is valid and i know you don't need me to say this to you right um but in marriage marriage I, i see is often seasonal right we ebb and flow in our growth um even in our marriage even when there's not deployments happening right like you may grow in one area and then your spouse then grows because they see you growing. And then we kind of like motivate each other to grow Very rarely are we growing at the same time at the same pace together. Okay. So I want to encourage you, um, that this might be a time that you're kind of stepping back and taking care of whatever you need to take care of to support your service member, knowing you might come second, right? And I know you know that, and I know that you're okay with that. My only message to you in that is be, um, be mindful of where you are lean on your military spouse community for support you have them um lean on mentors that can walk you through um, how to take care of yourself who understand what you're going through Um, get as much as you can from the community around you as you can while you're apart from your spouse so that you can be the best that you can be to support your spouse who's in a very difficult situation right now and then um And then be mindful that when this deployment is over, it is going to take some time to heal. It's going to take some time to decompress. It's going to take some time before it's likely your turn. Right. And that's so hard. I totally get it. Um, But you've hopefully if you've heard me um, or if you've listened to my podcast before, you've heard me say something to the effect of, you know, um, things are usually seasonal and if they don't change, then it's not a season. Right. So that means if your spouse comes home and it's and it's kind of extending that season of you kind of holding down the home front taking care of the kids giving that space for them to come home and process what they saw process any trauma that they um got from being over there being exposed to what they were exposed to your season of support and i hate to use the phrase on the back burner because i don't think that we should be on the back burner right but you know what i mean um that that kind of season might be extended right However, you know, it needs to be productive. We need to be um, moving towards professional help if we need it. We need to be moving towards kind of getting into a healthier place eventually. Um, and if that season is never changing, it's not a season, right? That's a red flag that we need to be getting the help that we need because I would never want you to be um, kind of that much second, secondary or not um, getting some care for yourself or things not kind of evening out shouldn't be extended for so long that it's um it's interfering with your ability um to be in a healthy place because then now you're in that hungry angry lonely tired place and then we have now we're just flip-flopping right now we're like not doing well and we're just flipping our or trading issues we're trading issues and now instead of you having trauma you're carrying resentment and that's not good for your relationship right? So this is a balancing act. This is um, being patient with the fact that it's gonna ebb and flow, that it's um, gonna ask something of you that might be extended, that you um, are are gonna have to dig deep um, and find that grit that Angela Duckworth talks about. And and grit is that ability to persevere and endure um, for the purpose of reaching a long-term goal, right? The long-term goal is that we are both in a healthier place. We are processing things together, that we are recovering together, that we are reintegrating our home, um, doesn't mean that we are um, unscathed and that we don't have scars, right? That we grow together and and learn to um, address those together. However, this season might require you digging deep and finding that grit to push through and endure something that's a little bit longer than we would have liked for it to be, I and mean, then it's okay to have feelings about that um but that we're also taking care of ourselves so we're not worse on the other side because we didn't do a good job taking care of ourselves if that makes sense okay so um i think um I think the only thing left that I have to kind of address on this topic um is is, and I would highly encourage you, and I don't mean this as like a shameless plug, I mean this is I wrote Sacred Spaces to be a resource for such a time as this, okay? Um, I wrote Sacred Spaces in reflection of my husband's deployment to Afghanistan during a very difficult, very traumatic deployment to Afghanistan and what I wish I would have known on the other side of that, right? All the lessons learned of what I wish I would have known. So Sacred Spaces, it's like a perfect time for you to do book studies together with other spouses or with other couples even. I wrote it so that both the service member and the spouse could understand each other's experiences. There's a discussion guide that goes with it for you as a couple to learn how to talk through these very difficult things. So um, please consider taking that um, advice to read the book and also downloading those discussion guides. Um, But I will say that when Matt came back, um, there was a lot of kind of just reintegration that needed to happen where he needed to decompress. He needed to take the time to get his body and his mind and his soul and his spirit back to a healthier place. And it took a while. and And it meant that I needed to be in that place of serving. But I just want to say that is the honor of marriage. That is the joy of marriage, that we get to take turns taking care of each other. Um none of us would wish this on our life, right? Wish difficulty, wish trauma um, on our life. But this is what it means to be human in a human world where there is evil and there's war and there is pain and there is destruction. Um, Not that we're supposed to swim in it and build a house there. It just means that When we are exposed to that, we get to serve one another and create meaning out of that. Um, But that all of that, all of that should be pointed to a place where we Find ways to bring meaning and purpose in a good way to serve other people, to inspire other people, to serve just one person out of that. That that's the joy of connection. That's the joy that comes out of pain and suffering. Not that we just stay stuck in the past and remember all of the hurt and the loss. There's ways to give back. There's ways to... empower other people. There's ways to get involved. There's lots of nonprofits right now that are helping um, the families of Afghanistan. There's ways to get involved, even from a distance, even if you are the spouse or family at home, that feels helpless. So the goal overall is to bring the best out of your marriage and some and oftentimes the best of your marriage is created out of times of difficulty when we have to dig deep and choose to be the best of what humanity can offer that is the only way to heal from being exposed to the worst of what humanity can do to each other is for us to choose to be the best example of what humanity can be to each other, to our spouse and to those that we serve around us. Okay. Um, And then we rest from that as soon as we're able to. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that um, it gives you at least um, a starting point on having the conversations that you might need to have. Um, It's definitely applicable to if you're a first responder family or if you are um, going through a tough deployment right now, or you just have come out of one. Um, These are all things that I think that we can apply across the board um, and hopefully inspire all of us to be better humans to each other. That's definitely the thing I'm walking away from watching Afghanistan unfold is who can I be each day to model the best of what I'm capable of of, um of offering to you and to my family and to go back to what my dad said in that last um, episode um, at the end of the day it's your family and your friends that you're going to circle with you know at the end of your life that's who you want surrounding you and those are where we want to invest um, the first of our energy when we have the opportunity to come home and do so okay so i care about you guys i hope the series is helping you so far thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you for watching um, being people that want to do the right thing for the right reason. um, and who live a life of service to other people, especially to the oppressed, especially to those who need it the most. Um, I understand how helpless of a feeling that is, but just know what you can do in one person's life is worth it. Okay. Thanks guys. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.